and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. All right, everybody, this is your host, Brother Frank on the Remnant Call, and glad to have you here with me tonight, and I'm excited with our guest, James Walden, who's been on the Remnant Call before. Um, I'm always excited to have a fellow Marine on the show, but to have a Marine that is in love with our Lord and Savior Jesus, uh, that's a different ball game, and uh, I'm looking forward to bringing him in here in just a moment. Uh, folks, uh, last week, Brother Benjamin, thank you for being on the show. Uh, if you're listening, uh, a storm, many of you, we t- the title of the show was The Storm Is, is Coming. Uh, it's here. It, it is a storm right now. And I've mentioned this so often before, folks, that if you are not willing to go out in the middle of the storm, you'll never give the Lord an opportunity to say, peace, be still. And so this is not a time to fear nor to cower. This is not a time to run and to panic, but this is a time for the body of believers to rise up and share with the world that there is peace in Jesus, even in the midst of the storm. And so if you didn't catch last week's, or or actually two weeks before that also had another one in the eye of the storm. We got this storm uh, thing going on here. I had my actually my own earthly father on the show who, thank God, I'm blessed to have an earthly father who um, loves the Lord. And, and folks, if you listen to that program, you've got to go all the way to the very end. After my father prays at the end, there's something we share about the Franks, the, the, all three of them. Myself, I'm technically the third. My father's the second and, and, the, and the first. And how God did the miraculous in three men's lives who had wanted to go their own way down some very bad paths. Um, God can do that for you. He can do it for your family. He is in the business of saving. And folks, this is the hour that God's calling. And so with that, I'm going to bring on our guest tonight, and we're going to share a word of prayer and get into some exciting things because I believe what Brother Jamie is sharing is so relevant and important to the hour that we are living in. So I'm going to bring him on to the program. Jamie, are you here with us? Yeah, I'm here, brother. Thanks for having me on tonight. Amen. God bless you. Well, brother, before we get all the introductions and everything going on, and I'm going to share a little bit, I want to just open up with a word of prayer and ask the Lord. Um, I shared with you just for a brief moment, I had to cut off and jump on the program, um, that I had a little bit of technical difficulty to get started, and that's always a good sign. Um, then there's some technical difficulties, because that means the Lord is going to do something. Um, there's always opposition and resistance so often. And so I'm going to open with a word of prayer, brother, as we get started here. Father, in the name above every name, the name of Jesus, I ask that tonight that what is said on this show would not only glorify you, 
but it edify the body. That that believers in this hour would know that there is a God, that He is in control, and that He is in the business of saving souls, and that fear is not from the Lord, it is from the devil. God never calls us to fear except for the fear of the Lord. But fear of the world and fear of the things coming, that's for the unbeliever. But for the believer, Lord, I know you are calling us to stand strong, just as the stories of old from the book of the martyrs, Lord, how they were standing at the, at the stake, being burned, clapping as they were on fire, because they were willing to stand for you, and you were sufficient even in the midst of the flames. Lord, thank you for this. Lord, thank you for, in Isaiah 24, when it, and uh, in, in the middle of the scriptures we were reading the other week, how, Lord, that your believers will praise you even in the midst of the fire. So, Lord, we claim that promise tonight of never leaving us nor forsaking us. We ask that you would bless this program, bless Jamie with the words to say, that at the end of this we will know that we've been in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Brother, thank you for coming on here. Folks, I have tonight a very special guest, Jamie Walden. If you've listened to the Remnant Call, we had him on a few months back. And, brother, just to share with you, my wife just re-listened to that. Um, she has a... Things military, like my wife, you know, she's protective. So, Lord help anybody that comes into this house and bad mouth the room. Um, <laughs> yeah, not me. You you know, just don't hate my, my wife you'll deal with. Um, but uh, she listened to that and was touched by that show. Uh, Jamie, you are currently the head of the Omega Dynamics. And, and last time I shared um, about who you were and, and your journey, a little bit of the things you've done. But Share, if you could, a little bit, what is Omega Dynamics, and what is the focus of your ministry that you're in right now? Sure, yeah. So I, I, I'll give just a, a quick background and, and kind of lead up to Omega Dynamics. But I, I did have a uh, – I am a Marine Corps combat veteran. I also um, got a degree in law enforcement. I worked with U.S. Marshals. I was also a, uh, a local police officer for a while before switching over and becoming a firefighter and a paramedic and a rescue technician and doing all kinds of other stuff. Um, I've done some contract work overseas and, uh, the Lord called me in, in, uh, 2015 to leave it all behind, sell everything and go into full-time ministry, full-time mission field. So my wife and I and our three kids, we moved to the Dominican Republic. We're missionaries for, um, two years down there. And I was, uh, just horrified and undone by the state of the church that I saw while being in a mission field. Um, and, and I won't get into details on that, but we, we happened to have a facility where we were a hub for missions team. So they would come stay, do their short term week long missions trip and they'd stay at our facilities and we'd be responsible for hosting them and taking them out into the Dominican communities and doing whatever type of service projects they wanted to do. And I was just utterly appalled that all the prophetic scriptures that I ever read about the spirit of Israel and also the spirit of the Laodicean end times church I saw because I had this huge sampling, a different church, every age group, every denomination, a different church for two years straight every single week. And, and they were all identically the same spiritually. And it was, it was absolutely, absolutely mind numbing. So on returning to, uh, returning to the States, that's when the Lord really burdened me to write this book, Omega Dynamics. Uh, it's Omega Dynamics, equipping a warrior class of Christians for the days ahead, specifically because I knew this day was coming. I've been studying the, the prophetic since I came to know the Lord. Uh, 
15 years ago. Uh, the Lord just burdened me for that. He's burdened with me because of my, my zeal and even my background to be connected to different communities and have access to information and intelligence that was piecing all these things together. I just have had a voracious appetite for the word. So I knew that this day would come. And ha- having seen the state of the church, I was just completely, like I said, undone by it. Uh, and burdened to write this book for those with ears to hear. Actually, on, on a side note, the Lord, when I when I came back from the mission field, which actually I got fired from being a missionary for talking about Jesus too much from a Christian organization, which is unbelievable. But yeah, I, it can happen. Have you mercy. can be fired from volu- from volunteering and being self-supported, <laughs> and uh, because because I kept talking about Jesus in depth, and it made all the other staff and missionaries feel insecure about their walk with the Lord, so they asked me to leave. No kidding. Um, so so uh, the book is specifically focused on growing our roots down deep and our identity in Christ alone, knowing that the days that we're seeing break out even right now in this, in this contemporary time we're coming, because there's nothing, absolutely nothing, apart from an undone knowing of the Lord, a rich intimate, deep knowing of the Lord that's going to sustain us in the days ahead. We've been told that in, in Daniel 11:32, be the second part of the verse that those who know their God shall be strong to do exploits. But what we've also been told is that the way truth will come into disrepute, people will not tolerate sound doctrine. They'll have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. They'll always be learning, but never able to come to an understanding of the truth. They'll have the most grotesque, faulty self-actualization saying we're wealthy in the need of nothing. Yet the Lord says, you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And on and on and on it goes. Christ said, and when I return, will I even find faith in the land? And he also said, the elect would be deceived if it were possible. Because they just, my word is offensive to them. My spirit is offensive to them. And they, they, they command the prophets to prophesy illusions, tell us pleasant things, get off the way. Just do not confront us any longer with the Holy One of Israel. So um, I know that's a long-winded intro, but... The basis of the book is really knowing and understanding our identity in Christ as the warrior redeemed and working out from that identity to stand in this generation when everybody else is either cowering or being screamed down and told to sit. Amen, brother. Yeah, I, I agree because I, I know what you're talking about. I mean, you know, folks, a while back we I had a show on the Sons of Zadok. And if you go back and study Zadok, he was kind of like a co-high priest during the time of David, but he uh, served also, and he was like it was a co-high priest with Abiathar. And the interesting thing was is that Zadok was the one who remained faithful. He was the one who followed David no matter what state he was in. He was the one who stayed true to the call that he was called to be in. But the interesting thing was, is when you go back in to Zadok and you look at who he was and where they came from and all that stuff, Zadok was not a normal high priest. He was actually a warrior, and he's listed as one fighting. And, and so he, he is a warrior high priest. And, and I started to realize when I was reading through this, that God has called us, it all lines up perfectly with the New Testament, to be warriors. Not the kind of warriors where we're going to go out and slay and fight the government and all that, folks. That, that's not what God's calling us to be. He's calling us to be warriors in the faith and to take the weapons of warfare and not to cower down. And 
And I feel like, Jamie, this has kind of been your calling is to bring out, you know, what it means to be a warrior. And and so I wanted to go through and talk some of that tonight because tonight's re- episode is, is the remnant warrior. And yeah, but right now we kind of have the opposite that's happening. I would call it the remnant fear that seems to be overtaking so many people right now. Um, I don't know. Yeah. What we see. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut go you ahead. off. No, go ahead. I was going to say what, what, what we see all throughout scripture uh, from Genesis to revelation is specifically a warrior cast in a warrior class from Abraham on through to the true and better example, Jesus Christ. They were all warriors and they were all priests, every single one of them. And in fact, in fact, Melchizedek, which is a Christophany, uh, uh, enters into the covenant with Abraham after he returned from the slaughter. Right? I mean, that's just an interesting side note. But the reason why the reason why we we actually are warriors in the Lord that is our identity. Period. Because that's who He is. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is His name. The Lord goes out like a mighty man, like a man of war. He will store up His zeal against His adversaries. Christ Jesus is the Lion of Judah who roars from on high. Who, when He returns in Revelation. 21, he's writing out to make war. Christ Jesus, the true and better warrior, came, 1 John 3, 8, to destroy the works of the evil one. That's why he was made manifest. Christ Jesus came and, and, and exemplified the warrior axiom that's still used to this day in our top-tier warfighting communities, that no greater love is there than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friend. That's specifically a battlefield, a battlefield axiom. There's a reason why we have been given a great commission. A commission is literally an authorized military appointment. There's a reason why the Lord talks about commendation over and over and over again, what's commendable and the commendations that will be received versus condemnation. A commendation is literally a military medal that's pinned upon your chest for for acts of valor and feats of bravery, bravery and selflessness. So when you look at these attributes from Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, you see this beautiful, amazing, powerful gospel that is not weak, and all of it testifies to the to the heart and character of the Father as a warrior, the heart and character of the Son as a warrior, the equipping of the Holy Spirit in us to move out from the warrior. And when you look at the attributes of the early church in the body, you know, throughout the New Testament and Acts and beyond in the epistles, you see this, this incessant call from Paul and from the other writers of the epistles for the body of Christ to stand up in their identity and boldness and in fearlessness as warriors for the kingdom of God that cannot be shaken. I mean, think about all the, the depth of the scripture that is used that specifically speaks to warfare, to rep, weaponry, to armory, to the fight, to the contention, to, to, uh, to the need for us to, to, to be engaged against this enemy, to advance, even advancing the kingdom, right? Even that's a warrior axiom. And again, it's all in there because that's who the Lord is. And and we are in Christ, and Christ is in us, and he is in the Father. So it would make sense that we as the body of Christ know and understand who we are as the warrior redeemed and actually stand up in our rightful enlistment in the front ranks. For whatever reason, God has chosen to enlist us as weak and fallible as we are and as wayward as we are, he has chosen to enlist us in the front ranks to advance his kingdom against all the rebel insurgent hordes of hell. For whatever reason, he's done that. And so that's why our mission and our commission is of such great consequence. And when we diminish it, when we malign it, when we reduce uh, uh, Christianity to friendliness and kindness, it, it, it literally leaves 
the souls of men and our brothers and sisters uh, dead and bloodied and wounded all across this cosmic battlefield and the war of the ages that's raging right in front of our very eyes. Well, you wouldn't believe. Uh, we, I've been blessed. I, I'm, I know many years I felt, folks, like I was all alone. I had my earthly father, who definitely was always a great supporter, stood by my side. Um, I've shared this many times. My own father told me one time, he said, son, even if you need to forsake me, you do it for the Lord. I mean, how many? I, I just feel so thankful to have a father that would even tell me that. And But my dad lived, you know, a couple, several hours away, uh, I, up where I'm, you know, lived for many years and, and a long time. I, I felt like it was just me. But the Lord in the last few years has, has blessed me with some friends. Folks, we have times where we're in the desert and feel, but I, God reminds us again often that there's, there's others. We're not the only ones. There are many who haven't bowed the knee to Baal, okay? But this is my thing. Many of our friends and people we know, and many that are believers right now, you wouldn't believe the sheer panic my wife is dealing with through some of the female friends and other people uh, right now that's what's going on. And it seems to be many places, instead of thriving, it seems like it's overwhelming the body of believers. This paralyzation, you know, and, and oh my, you know, this is, we're in Revelation now, this is the end and, and everything, and 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 folks, I believe we're at the end of time. Don't get me wrong on that, but the response is wrong. And and Jamie, I, I'm wondering if we could speak for a moment to this fear. It's almost they talk about a pandemic uh, right now. Well, there's a pandemic of fear that's coming over the body of believers, and I don't think for one moment it's from God. No, not at all. And in, and in fact, I mean, it, it's something that I deal with extensively. In the book, and, and, and not the book, the book doesn't matter, it's, it's the ministry, you know, it's, it's the ministry, it's the heart, the burden the, the, the Lord has given me, you know, he talks about those valiant, those valiant men whose hearts the Lord has touched, you know, and, and he's touched me with this burden, and, and the antithesis to the Christian calling election is fear. It is absolutely antithesis. All of scripture is centered in all belligerence in this cosmic war, right, from from Genesis one run, the world was the world was tohu mo without form and void that presupposes war. Genesis three fifteen, I'll put warfare between the sea of certain the sea of woman, right? That that's war. Everything's about warfare, right? It starts with warfare and it ends with warfare. And all belligerents, both sides, the powers of darkness and, and the light of the kingdom of glory of, of God and Christ Jesus, um, is is based off of I don't even know how many times throughout scripture, do not fear, do not be dismayed, do not courage, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear, over and over and over again, except for one thing, him. He says, Boy, you better fear me. You better fear me and you better tremble in my presence. You better know exactly who I am. And since we know what it is to fear God, we try to persuade men. And when we know what it is to fear God, we become wise. And those who fear the Lord, he reveals the mysteries of his covenant. And to those who fear the Lord, they have a strong tower. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, uh, uh, who find great delight in his commands. Uh, they have no fear of bad news, and even in darkness, like dawns for the upright in heart, right? That's Psalm 112. Everything is about fear. And so what the powers of darkness do, and what they've been unbelievably well-versed at, is stealing, killing, and destroying your fear and having you place it on anything and everything other than the one who is to be feared. So this is exactly why the church is where we are. Because you don't want to know what the number one thing the church has feared 
and and I and most of, most of our brothers and sisters that are well-meaning, what they fear more than anything else is the validation of men, right? Jeremiah 17 says, "Person is the one whose confidence is in men, whose strength is in the flesh, but blessed is the one whose confidence is in the Lord." Right? He'll be like a tree planted beside a stream, and it, and it goes on to say all these these awesome things about the person who fears God. So most people have been so fearful of men, fearful of validation, fearful of keeping up with the Joneses, fearful of, of their, their faulty religiosity, fearful of looking a fool. They're fearful of anything and everything other than the Lord, that now when it counts, they fear on everything else that's going on in the world. We, as believers in Christ, are to have an eager expectation of courage. Most people aren't, aren't, most Christians don't walk out their life with this idea of valor and gallantry and courage and boldness and fearlessness. Yet that's the only language we see Paul using throughout all the epistles. That's what we, that's the language we see God speaking over his people, Israel, over and over and over again. Yet it's completely devoid from our Christian paradigm in this day and age. Philippians 1 says, I eagerly expect and hope that now as always, Christ will be our, I eagerly expect and hope that now, as always, I will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in me, whether by life or by death. And then he goes on to say, we are not frightened by them in any way. This is a sign to them that they are being destroyed and that we will be saved, right? So literally, Paul says, you ought to have an eager expectation of courage, Christian, so that Christ will be exalted in you. And it doesn't matter if you live and it doesn't matter if you die. Why? Because you get it. You understand the power of, God, of the gospel. You know the living hope that's being stored in heaven for you, spotless, imperishable, unfading, and that God's going to guard you by his power to that reward. You know that you have already died in Christ. It's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. You know and understand the weight of the blood of Jesus Christ, that it's, it's, in, it's, it's incorruptible and invaluable that has purchased you. your life anymore. It's literally hidden in Christ. That's why there's those and Revelation 12:11, who overcome him, who all the powers of darkness and all the hordes of hell and the Antichrist and the end times global government Luciferian freak show that's breaking out, they overcome them by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They know exactly who they are and they don't love their lives so much as they're afraid to lose it. Expectation of courage. That's who we are supposed to be in Christ. So when I see a fearful, timorous believer out there it breaks my heart because it's, it's very endemic. It's very telling that what that tells me is that they've been playing a game for a long time. They've been playing a game for a very long time. And, they, and, and what the Lord is doing right now, right, because he's, he's good to discipline. He, he's good to uproot anything that's going to steal from his glory. He's exposing the majority of the church right now in this generation for what they really are when push comes to shove, that their identity isn't in him that they've hidden devoted things and scrolled them away in their camp and, and that they've been double-minded in a lot of their, their uh, quote-unquote offerings that they've been given to the Lord. So he's actually faithful to expose, expose and reveal that. But here's the true and trustworthy thing. You literally have not been given the spirit of fear. It shouldn't even coexist in the Christian paradigm. I mean, we have, uh, obviously we have some physiological fear responses, right? God's given us those so that we, we can actually be, protected and be shrewd, right? So we have physiological fear responses. That's not what I'm talking about. But the spirit of fear literally cannot coexist with the spirit of Christ in our lives. He's given us spirit. He's given us a, a power, love, and a sound mind. 
soundness of mind, sophreno in the Greek, right? It's a mind that's been salvaged, delivered, and redeemed from illogical or absurd thoughts and is secure and confident. That's what sound mind means in, in, in the Greek. So, so literally what he's given us is his physical spirit, his armor. It is the armor of God. He's given us Christ Jesus, his son, in us, the Holy Spirit out from us, right? All these things. And yet you see Christians running around like chickens with their heads cut off because of the a risk of getting sick. I mean, I mean, Talk about exposing us for what we really are when push comes to shove and just how far down this uh, Laodicean church age we actually are. It's, it actually grieves the spirit to see people be cowardice and fearful. In fact, it's this killer judgment in the book of Revelation. And also we're told in Hebrews 10, he says, he says uh, we are not of those who shrink back. For if we do, we know that he will be displeased with us. But we are those who believe and are saved. So literally shrinking back and running around fearful is exposing what you believe or disbelieve about the sufficiency of God and of Christ and of spirit of his spirit and of his promises and of his word. And he actually says he takes displeasure in those that are claimants of him having lordship over their lives who actually do shrink back. So, I mean, I know that's a hard word. That's a tough word, right? I know it's, I know I'm speaking about it with, with dogma. But you know what? I, I'll, I'll always speak to it with dogma. Um, even when I fall short in my fearful leanings, which, which I have just like anybody else about things in life, because it's exposing that there's something about the Lord that I'm believing or disbelieving that just isn't true. So if he is exposing you right now, turn towards him, confess it, and worship him for his mercy that he's exposing you now in the land of the living rather than later on when you're given an account and all the scrolls are being opened before him. Praise him. It's merciful. It's awesome. Because he longs to show us grace, right? It, he, he says, though I give you the bread of adversity and the drink of affliction, your, teaching, your teachers will be hidden from you no longer. Well, you turn to the left or to the right, you hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And just before that, he says, he longs to give you grace. See your bread of adversity, drink your water of affliction, but know that he's only ever gracious, even in our timorous, fearful leanings, and repent and turn back to him and allow him to stand you back up in the power of the warrior spirit, of the warrior redeemed of Christ Jesus literally in you. Amen. Praise God. Brother, that was powerful. And and folks, these things, you know, this, even though let's say for right now you've been struggling with fear. Okay, great. Now you know to deal with it. Okay, now it's been exposed. You know what it is. This is now opportunity time, not time to beat yourself up, but time to make a change. Jamie, I remember the first time I went in the mission field years ago. Uh, this was Africa, and I, I, um, I was over in high malaria area, no malaria medication I was on, I, you know, no, none of the preventative stuff, all that stuff. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. Was I fearful? You better believe I was fearful. Okay. Then I go like into the area we're going to go be doing our mission work, you know, and it's remote areas. And the first thing that happens is they're coming down to meet us off this mountain, which is a terrible road. You can barely get vehicle up and down this mountain. And, and this woman dies and they couldn't get her down to save it. And it, like our, it seemed like everything was like blown up to begin with. You know, this is horrible. The vill- and the people are so poor, they can't even afford to bring her body back up to give her a burial. So we, we got together a few dollars and it wasn't much for us, but for them, it was the world. We got them back up there. We went, we did the funeral. It was absolute tragedy. But by the end of it, 
we realized God did an amazing thing. I was in fearful, in a place I was out of my comfort zone. I wasn't prepared for everything that was going to happen. But because of this woman's death, the gospel came in there. They now have a church up in that area, and I got to watch her husband go into the waters of baptism as he committed his life to Jesus Christ. And yet I was in my uncomfortable zone. By the end of that trip, I was hooked, and the mission bug was running through my veins in a deep way. But I learned that through experience, and I'm afraid Absolutely. now that so many people are afraid of the experience. We so often want to block it and quit and don't want to do anything. And because of this, it, folks, this probably is most likely absolutely probably a bioweapon. I was listening to some major people even today with high rank. This came from the Wuhan labs right out of there. But who cares? Did not the Lord warn us this is the last days? It doesn't yeah, and, matter. And, that and, it's not, a, and not, not only did he warn us that this is the last days, you know, if you look at Luke 21, it's, you know, it, it's a breakdown of the last days. And you're going to see this, 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 like boom, 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 boom. And then he says, and I think it's in verse 27, Luke 21, 27. I'm not sure. Don't call me on that. But he says, when you begin to see all these things, stand up and look up. It doesn't say go hide yourself in your prayer closet until the wrath of God passes you by. Listen, you're not appointed to wrath. The time to be in your prayer closet should have been way before this, right? The time to be in the tent of meeting and refuse to leave it should have been way before this. But we do have a command now is to stand up. You know, Isaiah 60, 1 and 2 says, Arise, stand up, and shine, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Though darkness is over the earth and thick darkness is over the people, the glory of the Lord has arisen upon you. It says it over and over and over again that the believers in Christ have, again, this commission, this military appointment to stand up when nobody else will, to advance when nobody else will. And, you know, and just hearing your, hearing your testimony, which is awesome, praise God, it made me think of, of, uh, of Gideon, you know, and, and it's 300 there in, in Judges like 6, 7, and 8. And if you remember, God specifically said, if you are faint-hearted or timorous, go home, get off the battlefield. Now, does that mean that he he removed their inheritance, quote-unquote, their inheritance from them? Absolutely not. But he said, get off. If you're fearful, get off the battlefield because you're going to infect everybody else. And the Lord whittled them down and whittled them down and whittled them down to the to these 300 guys that were so hypervigilant for the Lord. They were they had such a deep knowing in the Lord. They didn't know how he was going to do it. They The odds were impossible. Nothing could possibly do it. But they knew who he was enough to know that if he said to do it, it could be done. And they got to watch the Lord do something unbelievably radical. They got to watch the Lord rout the enemy and throw confusion in the camp. And they got to experience that, that jubilant exuberation of, of this victory. All those other guys that went home, did he, did he uh, crush them over the head and condemn them? No. But guess what? They missed out on seeing the Lord do something absolutely cool because they weren't willing to stay in the fight and endure to the end and trust the Lord. That's exactly what I'm hearing in, in your testimony is that, that you stayed the course, and because of it, you just got the benefit of worshiping the Lord and experiencing the Lord in this radical way to see God do what only he can do if we're willing to be entrusted to him and trust him and endure. That's why it says those who endure to the end will receive the crown of life, right? So, so there, there, there is, the Lord is inviting those with ears to hear to join him in this great work that's to be done right now amid all this fray and all this chaos. We, the, the, 
the believers of Christ should not be the ones who are unhinged. The world are the ones who are unhinged. The believers in Christ are not the ones who should fear getting sick. It's the unbelieving world around us that should be fearful of sickness. We should not be the ones that are self-quarantining. We should be the ones like our vibrant brothers and sisters in Wuhan that are walking up and down the quarantine streets with blowhorns preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because they don't love their life so much as they're afraid to do to lose it. They know the Lord, and because they also fear the Lord, they seek to persuade men in this hour. That's exactly what we ought to be doing right now. Amen. Hallelujah. And, folks, the Bible is very clear. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. And that's the problem here. And just to continue down what we were sharing with over in that same exact trip I'm on, and my wife who's listening knows my good friend that was over there, and he's a pastor, and he's the one that actually got me into the mission field. Um, He's a dear, close friend, lives about a half hour away from me. He was down, Jamie, preaching and sharing the gospel up in this church with no roof, okay? And it's the blazing hot Africa, right? We're not far from the equator. And and he gets up into this church. This is all the same time. And he's like, Lord, he was late. They had been fasting and praying with the translator up on the side of this mountain, and they got a little late, and they ran down there. People had been waiting and blistering hot sun, and he felt so guilty. He's like, Lord, I can't believe they're sitting here waiting. So he cries out. He's like, Lord, please, I need a cloud over this place. And, brother, a cloud comes in, sits down Absolutely. over Praise this God. place until he was done preaching and left out of there. This is Praise the same God. time. Absolutely. On top of this, I'm up there on top of the mountain. He's kind of halfway, partway down the mountain. I'm up there. I lose my camera. It, it, I don't, you know, something happened to it. The children in the school, believe, uh, uh, this was a, there was a school up in there, and they were believers. They found out that my camera was gone. I had no idea. They stayed up and they wept through the night that God would find my camera. Now, me, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, well, it happened, no big deal. They wept until it was found. And they were so excited because they couldn't bear the thought of me coming there and me leaving. Brother, it broke my heart. I'd never seen such commitment that they would weep over a camera and cry out to God to find it. And they found it in an obscure place, and it was miraculous. And I came back. I went to teach, and I actually got taught while I was there of what it means. That's always the case, isn't it? (laughs) That's always the yes. case with us, uh, with us American Christians in our paradigm. We think we we really have something special to to share with with the uh, the 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 rest of the world or the third world countries. And yet, every time we go there, it's their faith, their vibrancy, their rich camaraderie and brotherly love, and their zeal for the Lord that makes makes us undone every time we go over there. Absolutely. Yeah, and folks, and you, and you know, I was, I was thinking. About, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, brother. What I was trying to share, folks, is this, and Jamie, I'll let you continue. If I would have never taken that step into the uncomfortable, I'm from the rural Virginia, you know, mountain area. I'm not used, I might like the mountains, but I'm not used to rural Africa, okay? That's a different, completely different story. I had never seen that kind of poor. Okay, in my life, I've seen some broken down places in the mountains and some rough houses and some rough families, but not not that broken down, not mud huts, not thatched roofs, not that kind of stuff. If I had never stepped out 
the Lord would have never been able to touch my heart and show me that I can do what in my own strength I cannot, but with him all things are possible. And that was a change for me in my life. And once I got hooked, I continued the path. And every time I have gone, the Lord does things that I can never imagine, folks. And that's what he's wanting to do in us in this hour. Brother, please continue. Absolutely. I mean, that that's what he's foreknown us for. But if you remember, you know, Mordecai speaking to, to Esther, he said, but but if you keep silent at this time, deliverance from the Jews is going to come from somebody else, but you and your father's household will perish. I, I You know, we always hear people always quote Esther for, for about for such a time as this. Who knows if you haven't come to this royal position for such a time as this. And I go, back up a verse, though. He's, he's, he's given her this really hardcore rebuke, actually, because she is fearful. She's fearful about, about approaching the king because she knows, she knows the cost. And, it, and he says so plainly, so, so plainly, you know, that, that if you don't speak up, deliverance is going to come from, the Lord is always looking for a few good men, right? The eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's, he is going to bring deliverance for Israel. He is going to advance his gospel and, and his kingdom in this generation, in this late hour, in this last age, he is going to advance it. But, but, he, but Mordecai says, but if you keep silent, you and your father's household are going to perish. But who knows if you haven't been brought to this royal position for such a time as this. We are a royal priesthood, right? First Peter 2, we're a holy nation, a chosen people, a people all of his own, a royal priesthood. We're supposed to live out and move and act as warrior priests for the Lord who fight on behalf of the least of these and the weak and the needy, who set the enemy prisoners of captives free, who literally go fight house to house, delivering people from the insurgent hordes and, and, the, and the dark entanglement and oppression and tyranny that they're under. And as we do this, we, we minister to them and we bring them into the presence of God. We usher them in and, and, and we minister before the Lord day and night. We minister before the people day and night and we, and we heal and we bind up and we do all these things because we get it. We do it because we get it. And here's what we know and understand. This is what Joshua and Caleb knew and understood. This is what a Moses or David or Esther or Deborah and on and on and on it goes. This is what they knew and understood, that it had absolutely nothing to do with the strength of their faith, but everything to do with the object of their faith, the Lord God Almighty and Jesus Christ, his son. That's what they knew and understood. That's why when the Lord said, hey, by the way, uh, go spy out that land. It's full of Nephilim free shows and hybrids and things you can't even fathom and, and uh, supernatural technologies. Hey, but listen, go take it at once because I'm delivered into your hand. How was it that only two guys out of 2.5 million Jews, presumably at the time, said, good to go. Let's go take it at once. It was because they knew the Lord. They had a knowing of the Lord. Uh, uh, Exodus 33, and, and Moses used to meet with God as a, as, a, as, a, as a man meets with his friend. And when he went out to administer to the camp, Joshua, his young aide, refused to leave the tent of meeting. Joshua, his young aide, remained. Joshua was so in tune to the Lord. He was in such deep communion with the Lord all day, every day, that when the Lord gave him an impossible task, he said, absolutely, because he knew it had nothing to do with him it had everything to do with the object of his faith who had given him the commission. That's why when you look at like Psalm 91 or Isaiah 41, I, I think about it all the time. You know, it says, it says, uh, um, I, I chose, I take to the end of the earth. 
I called you. I have chosen you. Uh, I am with you, so do not fear. Uh, do not be dismayed because I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. Uh, uh, I, I will destroy your enemies. I will go before you. I will be after you. Everything is about what God does. You think of him even speaking, speaking to the Israelites of the Exodus. He goes, hey, listen. Listen, ladies and gents. The, the, the Egyptians that you see today, you're not going to see tomorrow. I myself am going to fight for your behalf. I am going to fight. You need only be still. You notice how everything is about him, to him, unto him, for him, and through him. That's what the redeemed, the warrior class of the Lord, the warrior redeemer of the Lord know and understand. That's why it's so critical that we have a knowing of the Lord in this generation, that we might be strong by the Lord, not because we're strong and not because we're young or spry or whatever. It doesn't matter what your estate is in life. It's because you know who the God, who your God is, and that's why you're able to do exploits. The power of prayer, our, 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 uh, the, the divine power to take down strongholds and every false pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, the ability to trample on all the powers of the enemy, right? And, and, and all these, like, listen to these words. They're total. They're complete. They're not lacking in anything. They, they talk about consummate consummate authority, not because we have it, but because the one who has already proclaimed it has it, you know. And so that's why it's so critical that believers, if you've hidden devoted things in your camp, if you have uh, unrepentant sins, if you're deliberately uh, um, going against the Lord's laws and decrees, if you don't delight in his word, if you have grown weary of fearing the Lord or even seeking after his faith, anything uh, Joshua 7 says that if you have devoted things in your camp, you will not be able to stand against your enemy on the day of the bat- on the day of battle until you consecrate yourself back to the Lord. So if there's anything that's been in the way, even fear, even even a love of this world, friendship with this world, a love of money, uh, perversions, right, greed, immorality, sexual sexual perversions, if there's anything in your reality that is standing in the way of the full outpouring. Of, of a confidence in the Lord, do business with the Lord this day. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as the Israelites did in the wilderness, but do business with him this day. Amen. And folks, that war that's going on so often, and Jamie's talking about the struggle, and I know many people, they feel like they're trapped, and they want to overcome, and they want to... And, and what can often happen when you're in that position, folks, is that you feel like that God is against you and he's beating you and he's, tr- you know, and all these things. And we forget that, no, it's actually the Lord fighting for you. So, you know, grace came, folks, because that sin would no longer have dominion over us. That's what the book of Romans tells us. So grace is the absolute mortal enemy to sin. And so, folks, that battle, that struggle, that what you feel inside when it's not God fighting against you, that's grace fighting for you. And so instead of feeling like the Lord is trying to beat you up, folks, you need to understand that's God fighting, saying you can get free, you can overcome, and embrace the war, embrace it, and allow God to deliver you from the sin, deliver you from the bondage, whatever it is that's holding you back in life. 
and quit falling into the lies that the devil, that God is out to harm you. No, the Lord is out to help us. If it's not his will that any should perish, do you think he would give up on you? If he came to die while you were yet sinners and didn't care, he would lay his life down. You Now you think he's angry because you've messed up? That's not the character of our God. The character of our God says that he comes and he fights and he makes war because he wants to save your soul. And so that war that's going on right now, that is God grace coming in saying sin will not have dominion anymore. Folks, God is calling his people to walk in purity in these last days. And there will be some fires and there will be some trials, but even when the men went into the fiery furnace, the only thing that was burned on them were the ropes that bound them. The fire is to free the believer, not to harm them. It is to set us free so that we can walk and understand that there is another one in the fire with us, and he looks like the Son of God, because he is. And so often it's in the fire, folks, is when the world sees the one who you walk with. Keep courage. Absolutely. Praise God. Keep Praise God. Hey, and, and you know what? And the, and the Lord, well, he, he, he chooses. I mean, we don't understand who he chooses to do what with, and that's not for us to even even seek to understand, but he will sometimes deliver you from the fire and sometimes he'll deliver you through the fire. And sometimes he'll literally deliver you unto eternal glory. So listen, in the end, there is absolutely, that's why Romans 8 is saying, listen, there's absolutely nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Are we understanding that even in death, you're being loosed to eternal glory where the corruptible puts on the and literally nothing that can come against you. If you're in Christ Jesus, all striving has to cease and it needs to cease. And that, listen, I'm not saying I have that fear. Are you kidding me? I got to, I got to tackle my flesh and throat punch it every day when I wake up and throughout the day that the flesh and the war are always going to be battling each other. But that's why it's so important to stop striving to be a person of, super duper faith and to be a person of super duper morality and all these things and and and, to, and stop striving for righteousness and come under the one who is righteousness come under the one who is faithful listen to psalm 91 his faithfulness is my shield and buckler or my shield and rampart he is the one who is faithful to you praise god that it's not dependent on your faithfulness to him 10 times out of 10 you fail so you come Amen. under the person that is, is of faith. Think about the armor of God, ladies and gents. Listen, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the belt of truth, you know, the feet shot with the gospel of peace, the sword of spirit. The, Jesus is salvation, your helmet. Jesus is the righteousness of God, your breastplate. Jesus is the faithful one, your shield. Jesus is the truth, your war belt that carries all your ammo and all your primary gear. Jesus is the sword, your M16, your battle rifle in your hand. He literally, the word is the sword. The sword is the word. Jesus is the word. Jesus Christ is that you now have between the Father. Where once you were an enemy, once you were a son of disobedience, once you were, once you were a child of wrath, now through the gospel of Jesus Christ, you have peace with the Father, and you can confidently and boldly come into His throne room. It's all about Christ. The armor of God literally is, is God's literal armor, and it is actually Christ Himself in you, on you, over you for the battle. What in the world can stand against you when you're covered in Christ? So it's when the striving ceases and when we subordinate ourselves 
and we come and we lay prostrate underneath Christ Jesus, who are all those things that we can never be, no matter how much we strive and try to will ourselves, that we can actually find rest. I love Isaiah thirty fifteen. It says, in repentance and rest is your salvation, and in quietness and trust is your strength. Doesn't that sound radically polarized and completely opposite to what most teachers, preachers, and church leaders have told you to do in your walk with the Lord? Repentance and rest, quietness and trust. Boom, there it is. But guess what? There's a follow-on sentence to that, and it says, but you would have none of it. So it's actually a rebuke to God's people, saying, what I have, what, I, what I've stored up for you is so simple. Quietness and trust, that's, that's where you're going to have I re, I re, repentance and, and, and trust your salvation, and quietness and trust is your strength. But you reject it. You've, you've made it into this cumbersome, terrible grinding action and the enemy loves to watch you wallow in it. Instead, come in, dwell, hide, abide in me and watch what I will do on on for my glory and for your joy if you would only just enter into it with me. Amen. Praise God. Folks, the Lord is jealous. And I agree with what Jamie said. Um, the God God wants you to be with him. All right. All jealousy is not necessarily bad. I realized that years ago when I actually studied about it. God is jealous. And when he sees you running around with somebody else, when he sees your eyes on someone else, he gets upset and jealous because he wants you. And uh, imagine that the, the king of the universe wants you and he doesn't want you to be anyone else's except his. And, and folks, which one of you wouldn't do anything possible to save your children's life? You know, we talk about throwing the kitchen sink. Well, the Lord throws the kitchen sink from time to time at us because we need the kitchen sink thrown at us. And sometimes the tough love, it hurts. It's not, it's not, it's not joyous. But as reminded, you know, and since I've heard this saying, I, I can never get it out of on my mind. This earth for believers, this is our hell because heaven awaits. But for the unbeliever, this is their heaven. Because hell awaits. And so right now, this world, this is your hell. Because what's coming is great. And your God loves you so much that he wants to do anything possible in this world. Then even if it means that sometimes we have some, some walk through the valley of the shadows of death. Sometimes it feels like we're in a, a desert place. Our God knows how to deliver us. And he retrains us and teaches us what it means to trust in him. So many people right now, they're worried about their finances, they're worried about the money, they're worried about everything, because they're, they're worried about the flesh and what the flesh can do, yet your God owns everything, and he can do so much more. The problem is, is we need to realign where our trust lies, and sometimes it's only in the battle we can learn those hard lessons. And Jamie, you know that. You know right now you would take an old, crusty sergeant to war that's been there four or five tours versus some second lieutenant, fresh, Quantico-trained, shaven, smells good, doesn't know anything about being in war, but he might have the pay grade, and he might have all the book knowledge, but he can't touch that old, crusty sergeant that knows what it means yeah, to absolutely. get down. Absolutely. I, you, do, you, don't, you don't want some, some boot lieutenant. You want somebody who's been tried and tested, 
that's why Paul's always speaking about the joy and in, in the suffering, and not just Paul, but all the other epistles about count, consider it all a pure joy, right? And 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 don't be surprised by these fiery trials and on and on. I mean, think of the amount of scripture that have to deal with exactly what we're even seeing in our day. And by the way, listeners, you ain't seen nothing yet. This is child's play compared to what's coming. This is like this is a little minor hiccup compared to what we know is coming prophetically. So if this is shaking you. Praise God, he is mercifully exposing you for what happens when push comes to shove. Praise God, he disciplines those who he loves. It's an affirmation of your sonship. And it may be uncomfortable, but praise him for it. Listen, I think in Judges 3, 1 through 3 all the time, it says, and these are the nations that the Lord left around Israel to test those who had not yet known warfare so that they might know warfare. There is only one way to be a warrior. And there's only one way to grow in, in, out of the high priest in your priestly duties. That's one, to get in the fight and to be in the war and to, and to have repeated combat, to have repeated trials and, and, and repeated suffering and to have intensive training and grueling rigor and on and on it goes. And also to grow in an understanding of, of your knowledge and the fear of the Lord and to be so undone by the bad news and so equally undone by the good news that you're you, – and so – so undone with, with heartfelt love for the Lord, yet at the same time it's juxtaposed with this undone fear of the Lord, like a true, like ripping your clothes, what was me, I'm a dead man fear, that you actually start standing up in your identity in God through Christ as the warrior redeemed in this generation. There's no shortcuts to it. There's no shortcuts to it. So if the Lord is exposing you this time, He's sizing you. It says, don't rebuke it. Uh, let a wise man strike me. It's to my benefit. You can't get more wise than the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and God the Father and the Holy Spirit smacking you around and waking you up, calling you into repentance, calling you into purification of your camp, and calling you into showing your, your identity in Christ alone. Let him burn off everything and shake everything so only that which is unshakable is left standing, which is literally Christ in you. Amen. And folks, the, what Jamie is saying about being a warrior, and this is why Zadok is such an amazing picture of this, because long before he was a, a, high, a priest, a high priest, it says in First um, Chronicles 12, it says, in Zadok, a young man, mighty of valor, and of his father's house, 20 and two captains, when they were naming off the warriors that were there, Zadok was one of them. He was a warrior priest. So when the pressures came, when he was to make, you know, does he go with the young, hot son of David, or does he stay faithful to the call because of that warrior spirit? He knew what it meant to fight and to stay true to the calling, and that's what God's calling us to, folks, right now. And like Jamie's saying, thank God, if this is the moment that's exposing you, praise the Lord, it's not later when all hell has broken loose, and there yep. is no turn back. There is no recovery of any kind. It's better to go through it now than when it is too late. Paul's very specific. Quit fooling yourself. These people are not going into the kingdom, Paul tells us. Drunkards and revelers, all these things. He says, stop, stop fooling yourselves. And folks, some of us need to stop fooling ourselves about being believers. And if yeah, this is the moment right now that Amen. God is showing us who we are, then we need to repent, come back, and understand that our Lord is simply trying to help us become that which he knows we can be, and that is faithful believers in Christ Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I mean he, we, we, were, we were forewarned about be careful, your hearts will be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of this life, validation of this life. 
your your earthly carnal kingdom building pursuits, and that day will close on close in on you suddenly like a trap. I mean, we were warned exactly. He said, "Be watchful and pray. Be on guard. Be vigilant, because this thing is going to go down." Most of us have been playing church. We've been playing churchianity. Uh, uh, we've been playing community rather than fellowship. We've been playing all kinds of games. And what the Lord is doing right now is He is tearing down and exposing. He's making all these all these church that placate with with emotional presentries shut their doors overnight. He's forcing people back into house churches, and people are actually seeking the Lord's face in a real way. So I I, I say, don't shrink back from the fear. Enter into it and say. Lord God, what are you trying to reveal and expose to me in this time? Where have I been in error and grieved you? And Lord, I love you, and I know that you will restore me and stand me back up on my feet at the proper time. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord, and at the appointed time, he will lift you up. Amen. Folks, praise God. Jamie, we're coming down to the end of the show, and brother, I'm going to ask, could you pray? And and you know you know as well as anybody right now the struggle that's going on. And I'm going to ask that you just could pray over the, the listeners to this show. God will yeah, take absolutely. us through it in a powerful way, brother, please. Yeah, let's pray. Lord, I do thank you and praise you that, that um, all things are going to be removed, Lord, but that which is unshakable. And I praise you, Lord Jesus, that you are the solid rock that not only our battle flag is thrust into and affixed, but it's also the rock on which we can build our house, Lord. I know, Jesus, you're the foundation on which we build everything, and, and we can choose the building materials. Um, wood, hay, sticks, or straw, or, or gold, silver, and precious stones, God. And I pray that we're, where maybe we've, we've made little of you, God, where we've trampled the blood of your Son under our feet, where we've lived in licentiousness, Lord, where we've treated your grace as a license of sin, where we've failed to fear you, God, or we, or we've placed our fear on anything and everything other than you. I pray, Lord, that we would repent now and that we, with new eyes and, and, a, and a restored joy of our salvation, that we would turn back to you, God, and begin building anew with, with the gold and the silver and the precious stones of your word and of your spirit and of your promises of your truth that we would actually be a people who knows you, Lord, that knows you intimately, that communes with you, that refuses to leave the tent of meeting, that we would be so undone by the good news and so undone by the bad news that we would be compelled to get to work right now in this day and generation, that we would persuade men, Lord. I pray that where we're in, where we're in um, lukewarm or faulty, quote-unquote, church bodies and fellowships, God, that that we would challenge them and challenge those, those that are around us, the believers that are around us, to, to get off of it already and, and start doing business with the Lord. And if they're not, Lord, I pray that you would lead my brothers and sisters, those with ears to hear, to the right place at the right time and the right people at the right, at the right time, Lord. You have said specifically to those with ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church in this age, God. You have, you have promised immeasurable and comprehensible wonders to those who overcome, to those who conquer, and to those who endure. I pray, God, that you would um, renew our, our eyesight and our fixation on you alone, Christ Jesus. We know that you are going to guard us by your power to the reward that you've stored up for us. We know that your armor of light is on us, and that, God, your, little, your literal armor, your son, Jesus himself, is in us and over us. So, Lord, do a new thing in this generation. And I know that you've never cared about the the 
quantity of men, Lord, only the quality of their men's hearts. Who cares if we're only 300, Lord? I pray that you would give us a spirit of faithfulness and a knowing of you that we would arise and shine in this generation regardless of the darkness. And more than anything, God, I pray that we would so know what your son did on the cross and through the snatching back of the keys and death in the grave that we would never, never, never fear our lives so much as we're afraid to lose it. Praise be to you, Lord God Almighty, that it's been bought and paid for by the blood of your son. I pray that our testimony would testify to that every single day of our lives as we move forward from here, God. Remove the waywardness, the double-mindedness, Lord. Remove the, the stain of our, of our carnality, God, ruling and reigning in our lives and do a new thing in our lives this day. I praise you, God, for the opportunity to speak to you and your kingdom and your son and your spirit and the word and the fellowship with my brother here and those with ears to hear. And, God, I pray all these things through the powerful, life-giving name of the soon-coming, conquering King, Jesus Christ, Messiah, Ben David. Amen. Amen, brother. Praise God. Thank you so much for sharing, folks. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. This is the hour to make a change. God is in the business of changing. Don't feel defeated. Instead, feel empowered to know that God is not giving up. Folks, it, it's when the conscience is turned off and no one cares and nothing else matters, that's when you worry. But, folks, when you feel that conviction, when you feel upset, things, that's the Spirit of God working in your hearts. And if you're struggling to to if you can't seem to get breakthrough in prayer, if you can't seem to, to, to find, you know, or, or, or even find enough concern for whatever, it's okay to be honest with God and share with him just where your real state. He's got big enough shoulders. He can handle the truth. He already knows it. It's okay to, to talk with him. Jamie, as um, we're closing out here, brother, how can people stay in touch with what's going on in your ministry? Yeah, sure. They can go to omegadynamics.org. That's omegadynamics.org, and that's where you can find the book and, and also the study guide that goes with it and all the other ministry events and things like that. And also, I do have a, a big event coming up in Missouri called a Warrior Summit, and it's a full weekend at this awesome camp that I rented where we're going to really uh, grow our roots down deep in what it means to be warrior priest, and then we're going to walk it out in real time with a full uh, paintball combat simulation for anybody who wants to be a part of that. So I have a pyrotechnician coming in and, and making it a cool battlefield scenario, and we're going to put some flesh to all these attributes of what it means to be the warrior priest as we as we serve one another and fight on behalf of one another as a body of Christ and as believers in Christ. So people can check that out, and as of right now, it's still on. I'm not shutting it down unless the government makes me shut it down, so we're going for it. I'd love to see uh, any of the listeners who want to partake in that to uh, contact me. We'd love to get you uh, registered and, and, and get in that fellowship. It's going to be a good time. Amen. Thank you. God bless you, brother. Hey, folks, thanks for tuning in tonight. This is Brother Jamie and Brother Frank on the Remnant Call saying to everybody, good night and shalom. Trumpet in Zion, down there on the mountain. Lower trumpet in Zion, for the day of the Lord is come. Lower trumpet in Zion.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.